Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Public Handy Camper Podcast. This is show number 37, October 30th, 2019. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Public Handicapper, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame Handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, are you zeroing in on some big plays this weekend? Oh, yes. They're, it's always fascinating to handicap these Breeders' Cup races. It's, it's just a different type of race. You don't typically have horses coming from all over the place, many of whom seem capable of winning a race. So it makes it really fun to handicap. And I, I the way I handicap, where I'm always looking for the the horse that might get overlooked by the betting public. This is always, you know, like a kid in a candy shop. There's always a few angles that they don't always pan out, but they're fun to to uncover and to bet on. So. I think this will be no exception this year. Not maybe so much um, on the Friday card, although maybe we'll find a few here in our conversation this morning. But definitely on the Saturday card, I'm, there's some horses I know I'm looking forward to playing on Saturday. All right. Well, today we are going to cover the five Breeders' Cup races that are on Friday. They're all for two-year-olds. Before we start, Chris, what is your strategy for playing the BC this year, the Breeders' Cup? Given that you're not in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge, what you know, what, uh, I, I know my strategy is a little different because I had to bet five races on Friday, six hundred dollars each, and now I don't. So, uh, what, how would your strategy be different? For on the the Friday, well, my strategy doesn't really change that much on to a typical betting day. I'm more of a vertical player than a horizontal player, so I'm looking for a race that I really think that I can crush and that is my main focal point if there are a couple races that are adjacent that I really like or are close together then I might start looking at doubles and pick threes and maybe even a pick four or pick five if I really like most of the races in the sequence but I'm really looking for you know a few races that I think I can crush where I have um, one or two horses that I think will be really good value and maybe a favorite that I think will be way over bet. And I try to really cash on that race and not so much like most players in the modern game where they're focused on, you know, the pick four, the pick five. Um, that's not the primary focus for me. Yeah, I personally plan to play small amounts, at least on Friday, but I will shoot for some big super scores, specifically in the turf races, because I think there's a great chance that we're going to have an overlooked 20 or 30 to 1 get into the try or the super. And the super is not one of the betting options in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. So if you have a winner and you can key that horse over four other horses for a buck, it's only 24 bucks. If it's five horses, it's only 60 bucks. Um, or maybe it's more, it's 120. So. <laughs> yeah. So 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 then, if you have five horses you're keying over, then you want to do it for fifty cents, and then it's only going to be sixty bucks. But if you have five horses that you're keying over, then maybe you shouldn't even be playing the super to begin with. Um, well, so anyway, I, I think there are twenty cent supers too, right? So even on ten, a small ten budget, cent, ten cent. Oh, ten cent. Okay. Yeah. yeah so um, yeah. So you know, you can you can bet a fair a small amount and still potentially make a big have a big payoff. And if you like a horse, like in, in one or two of these races, I like a horse on top that is going to be over 10 to one. You could luck out and get a, you know, 10 to one over a 21 over 31 over a five to one and it pay $10,000. Um, if it's a 10 cent super, it's only going to pay 1000, but you know, you're not investing as much. So you're still going to have a nice payoff. 
percentage-wise? Yeah, that's where the big fields make it a lot more fun. There is that potential for a big score in the vertical place as well as horizontal. So if you can hook up one or two long shots in a trifecta or a superfecta, you can get handsomely rewarded on Breeders' Cup Day. Great. So let's go to the first race, which is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. Five furlongs. What do you think here, Chris? Well, this race is, the way I approach this race, first of all, is the European sprinters, typically I'm not interested in at all. Ever since they've started the Breeders' Cup Sprint, which has been quite a while now, and just recently, I think last year was the first year for the juvenile sprint, the European horses just underperformed. Typically, the, the short-distance sprinters are running on straightaways. They don't break nearly as fast out of the gate as the U.S. horses. I mean, this is why Wesley Ward has made a living just running two-year-olds um, in Europe in the spring and summer. So this race, I think, and you have to kind of lean towards Wesley Ward, although he actually didn't win this race last year, which was the only really surpri real surprise last year. So I think, you know, he's he's got a strong hand in here. The Euros, I'm kind of negative on, although I will mention a couple that might be the overlooked Euros that um, could be interesting. Um, but I, there are two U.S. horses, I think, in here that might be value. One has to draw in off the also-eligible list, and that's Bulletproof 1. So he may not even get into the race. But, um, you know, he's one that I, I'm always looking for speed at this five for long distance. So, um, you know, I, I think Bulletproof 1, he's... You know, we've talked about this. I think dirt speed is better than turf speed. Um, he was started his career on dirt. He showed a lot of speed. He, he won really easily at short distances. Um, then uh, he they tried him on the turf last time, I'm sure, as a prep for this to see how he would do. And he didn't get the best of trips, and he still almost won. So... I think he's definitely interesting. That was at Santa Anita, so he's a local horse. A two-year-old, I think that makes a difference when they don't have to ship. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Javier Castellano gets on a, a really nice um, switch in riders, but he might not even get into the race. If he does, that's my key horse for sure. I'll be all that. I'll actually like this race if he can get in. If he doesn't, which is probably what will happen. The other horse I'm kind of interested in is the three horse, another miracle, who uh, has tactical speed. He's not a, you know, a flat out burner, but he does have tactical speed. He kind of got drilled last time at Belmont uh, against four wheel drive, who will probably be the favorite he or Kamari for, for Wesley Ward, but. That was at six furlongs instead of five furlongs, which I think is a big difference. And he's had a really good workout since that race. Um, he went 34 and two fists for three furlongs at Belmont on, on the dirt, which is really fast, even for a dirt horse. So, and he drew an inside post. He has Manny Franco, who's a good turf rider, 15 to one on the morning line. So, you know, the U.S. horses that have some speed uh, he interests me and then um there is one other u.s horse that i'm interested in and a couple of the euros but i will turn it over to you because i think you're on to one of the european horses and i don't want to steal any of your thunder well thank you very much i also will be using another miracle underneath because i think that horse has some talent and i'm willing to forgive its last race and i think the fast workout bodes well for Gary Contessa horses. Those three furlong bullets uh, usually portend a good effort to come. I'm going to go with band practice in this race. I, I know it's it's uh, heresy to pick a Euro turf sprinting, and I don't think one of them has won this race ever. I'm not sure how many times they've had this race, but I don't think a Euro has ever won it. I think I had a Euro last year who did nothing. But the numbers, you know, the, the estimated sheet figs have that horse 
as fast as Kamari. Um, it's breaking out of the three hole, or maybe it's the two hole. It's the two hole. I just I watched this last race and she broke out of the gate like a rocket, and I think she can easily get the lead here because there's no other rockets. So there's speed in the race, but there's no you know there's no horses that have proven like out of the gate, boom. And so I think she can get the lead from the inside. She's going to stay on the inside. So she's going to save ground. If she even matches her best figure, that could be enough to win. She's improved every race except for one race where like her saddle slipped and the jockey lost his irons and that, that craziness. So, so I think at a value price of 12 to 1 and a little weight break because she's a filly, that's the horse that I'm going to be king. Now, I will, whatever bets I make, I will also have Kamari on top because Kamari is a really fast horse and she can run near the lead, but when she had a bad start in her last race, she still went from last to first. So she's a super talent. She's no secret. She's seven to two morning line. She might be less than that. She could be five to two. And she's not particularly faster than the other horses, but it's the way she's done it. So I think she could pop a big race. Uh, other horses that I'm interested underneath are uh, Ali, King Neptune, Chimney Rock, and Another Miracle for a variety of reasons. They all kind of fit on figures. But I will turn it back to you so you can share the ones that you're into. Well, I think if a Euro will win, it's going to have to be one probably that can really break. I just don't know if breaking on top in Europe equates to breaking on top in the U.S., but I do agree with you that there's surprisingly there's not as much speed in here as you would think from the U.S. forces, but that'll be the key for her because there are two things. One, you know, is will she be able to break out, you know, outbreak the, the U.S. forces? Because she doesn't, she's probably done because she runs on the lead in Europe. Um, so she's got to outbreak them if she does, and you're on the lead when they hit the turn, you've got a, a great chance, I think. The other thing is, you know, will she handle the ship? Will she, as a two-year-old, will she handle the extra firm ground? Her last, you know, best race was on soft going, but she has a good race on the firm, so that's a good sign. And can she handle the turns? So, you know, there's a lot of ifs, but if you do get, you know, double-digit odds, um, then I wouldn't, that's probably one I wouldn't totally talk you out of, but I don't share the same enthusiasm. I need to see a European sprinter come over here and actually, you know, sprint with the U.S. horses. This race is, I think, the first time was only was only was last year for this race. I might be wrong. I think that was the first one. But the the regular turf sprint, there's a lot, been a lot of really accomplished sprinters from Europe come over, and they just can't compete with the U.S. sprinters so far. That that may change, but um, so I think for you, it's going to be all about can it band practice outbreak the field. The two euros I'm kind of interested in are the ones that um, really didn't haven't done much on the turf, but both a dream shot and Dr. Simpson, when they got onto the synthetic in their last start, they ran really well. And that race actually has a turn. And I think synthetic is probably closer to the kind of grass that they'll run on here than the grass is in Europe. Um, I think they'll be able to handle that harder going that they're going to get the extra firm turf in Santa Anita. Um, of the two, you know, Dr. Simpson actually finished ahead of Dreamshot last time. Dreamshot maybe had a little bit better. Uh, her best turf race was better than Dr. Simpson's, but those two, if they get completely overlooked by the you know, betting public and they're 20 or 30 to one, I, I might include those. Just because they've made, I think they can handle the firm going, and they can make, um, uh, they can handle a turn. Doctor Simpson has more speed than uh, Dream than Dreamshot, so maybe I would favor him a little bit between the two. But both those two are of the Euros. If I was going to include one, those would be the two that I would include. Um, 
The other U.S. horse that you mentioned that I'll agree with you on is the one-horse Chimney Rock. I don't like the fact he comes from way out of it, so I couldn't play him to win. But I think he'll definitely be finishing strong at the end. And if he can get a trip, he'll save ground. If he can, you know, find some a seam to run in late, I think he could definitely hit the board. So he he's the other one I might include. But, you know, for this race, there's a good chance I won't even play it. But if, unless Bulletproof one draws in or unless another miracle goes off at a really big price. Um, those are probably the two that would be my key horses in here, depending on who gets into the race and how they bet it. Okay. Um, it's a wide open race, and that's why I won't be betting a lot of money. If I play the pick five, I, I know I, I know actually I'm playing the pick five, and I will probably go six deep here just because anything could happen, and not much separates these horses. And Kamari, as good as she is, is not really faster than a bunch of the Europeans and even some of the Americans. The Public Handicapper Podcast is brought to you by DRF Bets. Did you know DRF Bets now has weekly cash back of up to 5% of your wagers? It's also the only wagering platform that allows you to build and submit Ticketmaker plays. And you can get free PPs just by betting. Sign up now with a deposit of $150 and get another $150 to bet the very next day. To take advantage of this offer, go to publichandicapper.com and click on the DRF Bets banner at the top. It's the only way we get credit for having sent you there. And we need the credit. So we'll move on then to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf, a mile and a 16th on the turf. I think there should be a hot pace in this race. It, I think the time form U.S. pace projector calls it a hot pace. It looked like a hot pace. Arizona, who's supposed to be the favorite, mainly because he's run second twice to Pinatubo in big races in Europe, is potentially the favorite, probably the favorite, winging from the 12 hole. And I don't like the horse at all. I'm, I'm really betting against the horse because it just ran a significantly strong race and now it goes two turns for the first time from the 12 hole with a lot of other speed in the race. I just think the horse is going to get smoked. So, so I think there's value in this race. And there's three horses that I'm interested in. The first is Peace Achieved, who has a good post and really good tactical speed. Should get a good trip. I don't know if he'll run too fast and, and, and get cooked near the lead or if he'll try to lay off of it. I'm not sure, but he, he was incredibly game in his last. He's improved in every single race. And, um, I, you know, 10 to 1 morning line, I, I find that kind of hard to believe. But if it is 10 to 1, I'll be using it significantly. Uh, the other two horses I'm interested in, one is Vitology, who... Just ran second to Peace Achieved, galloped out a little bit better, but really had a lot of momentum, so I'm not going to put too much credence into that. But he fits on the numbers. He will close. The pace will only help him. And then the other horse that I'm interested in is probably the horse that will get completely overlooked and maybe the, the horse that I key, like in third and fourth, and maybe second and you know back up in first, is Our Country who was only a, a length and a quarter behind Structor in his last race. And Structor is going to be 5-1 to one or maybe even less. And this horse has had two really tough trips. And the other two were a solid five-length win. And uh, his last race, where he finished third to Structor, he was checked a little bit on the backstretch, not mentioned in the co comment line. Then he was super wide coming out of the turn. Didn't look like a world beater, but the fig came up pretty good and it matched his previous best. So given that the pace, given the pace scenario and the nice uh, post position that he has, I think he can get into the try slash super and that'll be my key horse. I'm not sure exactly who I'm going to have on the win end, but I'll certainly use all three of those in the pick five. Cool. I um, This race, typically the Europeans send quite a few horses over 
and they have a strong contingent. It's interesting that this year no trainer tried to send anything over to challenge Arizona, which is and and Odana Odana Bryan sent Arizona and Fort Myers, but Arizona's his his big horse in here. So clearly in Europe, if this race was being run in Europe, they all think Arizona's is very strong. So I think you might be underrating that horse just based on the reaction of the other trainers because typically they're taking shots in here and nobody bothered to take a shot. No other European trainer. So to me, that speaks a lot. Plus, if you look at on odds checker, you know, they have Arizona as two to one. So if this race were run in Europe, Arizona lays over the field, I think, but it's not. And like you said, he drew an outside post and he'll be running on, you know, tight turns for the first time, the firmer grass. So although he has run well on at least European firm turf. So I think from a talent standpoint, he's definitely the one to beat, but there are question marks. He probably will be an underlay, um, but I do think you might be underestimating his chances. I would be nervous about leaving him off all your tickets. Um, he's certainly better than other horses O'Brien has sent over and run with like Mendelssohn who turned out to be a really nice horse, but heading into the Breeders' Cup, his form wasn't nearly as strong as Arizona. So, and plus I love the name because I'm an alum of Arizona and I'm a huge Arizona basketball fan. So it's hard for me to, to not like a horse named Arizona. So they take that into account. It might not be an unbiased um, viewpoint, but I, I'm not tossing that horse out quite as easily as you are. I do think it, there are questions. I spent one year at University of Arizona myself, so, but I guess that's not enough for me to not cost <laughs> the horse. <laughs> um, so, uh, again, I think he is the horse to beat, even from that post. Ryan Moore is as good as there is in the world at saving ground, so he has tactical speed, but he doesn't have to be on the lead, but he has some speed. And I do think it looks like it will be a hot pace, so that could string the field out a little bit. He's bound to lose some ground on that first turn. The question is, is that enough to to keep him from winning? It might be. And so I'm I am probably going to take a shot because there is a, a horse or two that I like in here at prices. And and you've mentioned them both. The one I like the most is Vitology, who. He's had two U.S. starts, and he's they've been really troubled starts where he's not so much trouble, but his race two back, he had a lot of trouble. His last race, he was just stuck outside um, uh, and really wide uh, against you know, the flow of the race. Uh, all the front runners basically ran one, two, three, and he was flying at the end. Both of his races, he was flying late. Um and with the strong pace in here, he got a pretty good post. Javier Castellano is a good rider. You know, he'll need a little racing luck, but to me, he's he is the best closer in the race. So at double-digit odds, I'm really interested in him. I also am with you on Our Country, who just has not seen a race that had any pace at all. That kind of happens when you run in New York nowadays and you're a closer. So to me, he's had absolutely no chance to win his last two races. And not only did he have slow paces, but he had trouble. Part of that's because the field's so bunched up in the slow pace races, it makes it hard for the closers. But he has a lot of excuses. And, you know, he, he has a lot of talent. He drew the one hole. So again, at double digit odds, I'm interested. I think between the two, I like Vitology a little better, but now, those are the two that I'm interested in. I think you have to use Arizona. Um, Peace achieved. If he's double-digit odds, I'd use him. But I think he kind of had a really favorable trip last time. And all his last three races have been his best. And he's been on the lead in all three. So I think the fast pace could, could hurt him some. Especially drawing an inside post. They almost have to send him away from there and... There seems like plenty of other speed to compromise his chances a bit. But at double-digit odds, he might be the best of the speed horses, so I would use him. Um, I don't so know. In, kinda... his, in his second-to-last race, he was 
two lengths behind at the half. So he doesn't have to be right on the lead. Well, but he was on the lead for most of it. And then a horse kind of, yeah, I mean, he maybe fell back a little bit in the middle part of that race. But, you know, he's broken on the lead in all of his races pretty much. But anyway, I think you're being a little bit... Um, uh, I, I would be surprised if he's more than a length off the lead early, especially drawing post three. Just put it that way. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, he could. If they, they if they can rate him back, I think that will improve his chances. But I think the forwardly placed horses will might be a disadvantage in this race. Although, going a mile at Santa Anita, uh, it's not necessarily bad, even if he's on the lead. I mean, it doesn't that doesn't mean he has no shot because that track is the, even the turf course has been speed favoring um, in the races I've seen so far in this meet. So, anyway, that's yeah, the way I see yeah. And he's just he's a super game animal. I mean, uh, the time form early pace numbers were pretty good in the last race, but he, he really had to run and establish position from the 10 hole in that race in a 14 horse field. Uh, I, I, obviously, he probably still has to, he still has to sort of gun it a little bit from the three hole. But I don't know that they'll be hell-bent on the lead. You know, he, he really just needed to get good position and, in fact, wasn't on the lead for the first, really until uh, the head of the stretch in his last race. So, you know, once he just got good position, he, 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 he prompted uh, and he set good fractions. You know, he, well, he, you know, was on good fractions and set good uh, time form pace numbers. So, I don't know. I, I just think that if, if any horse is going to survive a fast pace it's going to be peace achieved yeah and that's the way i would describe it if any of them do he's probably the one that would do it so certainly if he's a, a good if he's double digit odds i'd use him um uh so of the speed horses he's the best so that's that's how i would characterize the same way i just think um i'm a little less um inclined to think that he will be able to hold off the closers um if the pace is hot but you never know. And he might be a great price. He's 10 to 1 on the morning line, which is surprising off of a win at Keeneland. But, you know, the morning lines at Santa Anita are not really that good. And making morning lines for these races are, are tough. So you maybe you don't put too much stock into the morning line. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it is a little bit wishful thinking to think that he'll be 10 to 1. But, you know, he was coming off two wins, including a $500,000 race going into last race, and he was almost 9 to 1. So, you know, we'll, we'll, you never know. It depends on how much they crush Arizona. Yeah, that's what it is. It's really hard to predict, you know, in the United States, how much they're going to bet uh, Arizona. If they bet him down, then there could be some really nice prices across the board. But of the U.S. horses, I would, I would lean to Vitology in our country um, first and then piece achieved would be one I would throw in, assuming he is a good price. Hey, we have a special offer for PH Podcast listeners from RacingFlow.com. Purchase a two-month subscription to RacingFlow for 140 total. Get an extra two months for free. That works out to $35 per month. Make sure you mention the Public Handicapper Pod in order to get the two free months. Go to RacingFlow.com and sign up now. Let's move to the Juvenile Phillies, it's the seventh race on the card. What were you thinking here? I know these uh, dirt juvenile races don't always have great prices. I'll be interested to see if you have anybody who you like at a price here. Well, talk about a morning line that, that doesn't give you any information at all. Donna Veloce, three to one. British Idiom, seven to two. Fast, seven to two. Wicked Whisper, seven to two. I could have made that morning line, you know, in about five seconds. Uh, but those are probably the four horses to beat. I don't particularly like any of them that much. Um, Donna Veloce seems like she has loads of talent, but can she jump right out of a maiden sprint and win, you know, Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies? Maybe she drew the rail. She has a good rider. Uh, that Wicked Whisper shipping in from New York. You know, she's a nice horse. Both of those horses like to be on the lead. Bast, a um, Baffert local horse, another speedy horse. Um, they all want to be on the lead. British Idiom comes off a really impressive race in, at Keeneland. I, I don't 
like any of them at that price, and I'm not sure any any of them will be beat. If if I had to pick somebody other than those four, I'd probably go to Perfect Alibi, who ran second to British Idiom at Keeneland. Uh, that horse has been consistent, and given those other four horses, might get overlooked in here. And one thing about two-year-old fillies that I've seen over the years is that of of all the kinds of, of stakes caliber horses, two-year-old fillies are the ones most likely to regress off big races. So you've got almost all these horses, the, the four favorites are all coming in off big races. So there's a good chance that several of them will regress. I don't know if all four of them will. Um, probably one of them won't and will be the winner or one or two of them. But it's not unusual at all to see like a Donna Veloce ran that giant race in her debut and I've seen a lot of fillies that run a race like that and they never in their entire careers ever run back to that um I don't I'm not saying that's what she'll do she might be a, a songbird and, and reel off seven or eight straight wins but I'm just saying that these aren't the most reliable to repeat big numbers when they run them so that's one thing to keep in mind in here but this is a race that has I have no interest in betting at all <laughs> okay well um I also do not have much interest in betting it, but I do have a strong opinion in the race, and that is Bast, who ran a huge number, a really nice number, at seven furlongs in the Del Mar debutante. One by eight lengths. I don't know what price she's going to be. She's probably going to be a pretty low price, but there are there's some other good horses here. That race and her first race, she was fourth at the second call. So she doesn't have to have the lead. In her last race, which was her first time going two turns, she set ridiculously low blue time form pace numbers. Um, she was just off the pace. She didn't have to have the lead. She's never had to have the lead. And she was just close because they were going incredibly slow. So I'm not worried about her getting caught up in a pace duel. She has a pattern that I really like that usually is, is better when a horse, a price horse, has run it. For example, Champagne Room a few years ago, where they run a big number of sprinting, then they run a two-turn race that's an off race because their first time two turns. And that's what Bass did, and she only won by a neck. So it looks like... It doesn't look as impressive as it really was. And I think she crushes this field. I will be singling her by all means in the pick five. And if she's two to one, I mean, I'll have some win money on her. And I, yeah, I'm going to find some way to take money out of this race because I, I actually really, really love her in this race. Um, that 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 the only the other horses I think all risk running bad races because they've run strong races like you said. The one horse that does interest me though as part of an exacta with Bast is the two two sixty, who won on the lead in her last race. It was a big field, so she really needed to gun it to get out there. And once she did, it was it was a pretty easy victory, and it was a it was a measured victory has a nice workout since then going five furlongs is fast enough. If she improves at all, she, she can be in the exacta for sure. She'd have to improve a lot to beat Bast, But um, now that I'm mentioning her, I'll probably have some kind of backup exacta with her. So those are really the only two that I'm interested in this race. Well, I, uh, I just don't, sh I certainly Bast could win, but I don't see her any more likely than the other favorites in here. So uh, I'll be cheering for you on this one. And, and 260, I could see you making a case. But that was probably the other one other than Perfect Alibi, who I don't think either one could win, but maybe they can get into the try or exact it. And because, like you said, and, and I said, some of those other horses may not run back to the races they just ran. So, but I don't you know, share the same level of confidence that you have in Bass. I, I mean, she looks like she could win, but just, I wouldn't say, certainly wouldn't be singling her in here. 
And so, you know, that's why I think I'm getting a little value here because it's not a three to five horse. It's a, it's a two to one horse and singling a two to one can still result in a nice payoff. I mean, even singling a four to five can result in a nice payoff if the other legs are good, but a two to one, I, I'm saving some money here because I'm not spreading at all. And we'll see if I'm right. If I am, you know, if I'm wrong, which I am wrong, four out of five times, fine. But I, I feel pretty strongly about this one. Yeah, and I think that's a smart way to play it. Even though I don't, if I had your opinion on the race, uh, to play all four of these in a pick four is just throwing money away. I mean, that, that's going to be 99% of the pool are going to be on those four horses. So if you can pick one, I do agree that if you just can zero in on one of these four, uh, you'll be eliminating a lot of the money if you if you do get through this leg because there'll be a lot of money bet on the other three. You know, any of the four. Um, whether if you liked any of these four a lot, that's the way to play it. Just like you're saying, single that one that you like. Um, but to spread out and use all four in here, which is kind of what I would have to do almost to play the race. Just I, I say don't play the pick three or pick four. It's just or pick five. It's just not a, a very efficient way to play it. All right, let's move to the Juvenile Phillies Turf, which is another wide open race. It also looks like a pretty solid pace. I think time form pace projector has it as a fast pace. The Europeans have, uh, happen to be, I think there's a there's some speedy Europeans in here as well. Um, I landed on one solid value play that I, I doubt will be as high as 12 to one, but that is the horse Sharing, who's the 12, no, the 11. Sharing earned a, a, a really nice speed figure in her first race on dirt, which was an off the turf race. Then she ran in her next race as a heavy favorite at Laurel, her first time going two turns. And it was her second time on the turf. She won it pretty easily. I haven't watched the replay, but I don't know if I really need to because she was like one to two in the race. She is a daughter of shared interest who won the Breeders Cup Philly and Mare Turf at 46 to one. So she's got the breeding to say that she she is meant to run well on the turf. She already has run pretty well. If she matches or improves on her dirt fig, which was her second race, which it doesn't surprise me that it was her best fig, then she's a major contender here. She doesn't need to be on the pace. She does have some speed, but I think hopefully Manny will keep her, will find some way to save ground or at least keep her three wide on the first turn. I think that's okay. I think he should be able to draft behind what potentially is a very hot pace, strung out field, as you say. And uh, I, I really like the horse a lot. And I only hope that she's as high as 10 to one. Uh, because on the, on the figs, she doesn't look that fast on buyer figs because she was three wide in her last two races and including on both turns in her last race. And he doesn't, they don't, figure out figure ground loss into their figures so so they don't look as impressive the figures and so that's why i'm hopeful that she will be 10 to 1 or higher that's really the, the key horse for me and then underneath i would use or you know you know in and among uh, you know i'd key sharing in in all positions in the try and the super but the other two horses that i'm interested in are europeans one is albigna and the other one is daya and they look like they're they have figures that are fast enough. They would be contenders in the juvenile turf if they were in here. So if they were in there, so I, I think they can be in there. And I think living in the past, I'm a little worried about the speed of living in the past. But and and also going two turns and going a mile for the first time after only running six furlongs. But I'm going to include that horse somewhere because I, I like the feel of that horse's line as well. So those will be my three that I'd be using with sharing. Well, I am. Um, I have fond memories of shared account because I actually had that horse in the Breeders' Cup betting challenge that year. 
that was at Churchill Downs. So I like that horse. And I agree with you. Sharing is an interesting horse in here. The thing I was disappointed in was the post draw. Um, being stuck out in that 11 hole in a one mile race is tough to overcome. Um, but I do like the horse and I will be using it. This to me is an impossible race. Unlike the, the juvenile turf, in this race, just about every European trainer there is sent a horse over, and they all look about the same to me. Um, and I don't think the morning line is very informative. So there'll probably be one or two horses in this race that go off at crazy odds, but it's hard to predict which one it'll be, so I think you've got to stay flexible. So I'll talk about a few of them, but this is a race where I'll be watching the board um, to see if anything gets overlooked because there is absolutely there's no horse in here that stands out at all so i would definitely not take a short price and the two horses you mentioned i agree with you they look pretty good but they don't look much better than anybody else and they're they'll be they're like four or five to one in the morning line and i think that's accurate um and that those will be some of the favorites on odds checker albina is four to one and who was the other one you mentioned? Oh, Daya. Daya. Um, that one is nine to two. So they're and they're the clearly the two choices on odds checker. So I think of the European horses. If this race were run in Europe, they would be the ones to beat and they would be the favorites. Again, it's not. So it's all about which of these horses are going to ship over and handle the new conditions, which is why I always like to get beyond the favorites in these kind of races because. They're not running in the Europe, which is what makes the race more interesting from a betting standpoint. So of those Europeans, probably the one that I'm the most interested in is the three-horse Shodden, who, um, you know, I don't think she's any standout by any means but i think she's just as good as those two i just mentioned that will be the favorites she drew a good post she has jamie spencer the infamous jamie spencer who has such a weird riding style um but he he has a lot of experience riding in the u.s he knows how to ride u.s tracks so i i don't mind playing him and that horse has just never really run bad. She just keeps getting better and better and better. And she has a good start uh, race on firm turf. Um, her trainer has shipped in one before to the U.S. Um, so to me, you know, of, of the things that I kind of use a checklist for the European horses, she kind of checks all the boxes and she's, you know, a dub, you know, could go off at double digit odds. So that's one I'm interested in. Uh, she's 16 to one on odds checker. So even the Europeans are kind of dissing her a little bit. So there's no reason to think that she might not be a good price in here. Uh, the other European that I'm sort of interested in, you, you mentioned living in the past. I like the fact it has some tactical speed. It drew the rail, um, you know, those are two big pluses for me in this big field. Um, and this horse, again, fits numbers-wise with those other Europeans. There's no reason why it can't um, come over here and run well. So I'm a little like, I like Shodden a little better than living in the past, but those are the two that I'll be watching the odds board on. And if, if one or both go off at a big price, I may pay, play a little bit in this race. Um, of, the, of the American horses, we've already talked about sharing. The other one I like is Fair Maiden. Um, you said it'll be a hot pace. I'm not sure it'll be hot. There are two horses that like to be on the lead, and Fair Maiden's one of them. Uh, the other is Abscon. Uh, I think Fair Maiden might be the faster of the two. Um, if they hook up and duel, Fair Maiden doesn't have a chance, but um, if they don't go too fast early, I think she, uh, she ran a pretty game race last time when she caught a yielding track going a mile, um, and she lost to Abscon and 
I, I think on a firm course, she could reverse that. Um, she ran really well on synthetic in her second start. Again, when they run really well on synthetic, I think that can translate to the firmer turf. So I think she'll like getting back on the firm turf. Um, and she may be able to outrun Abscon. And maybe one of those two decides they don't want to try to go to the lead this time and they rate. And if that happens, then it might not be that fast of a pace. Um, but so even abscond is one you could consider as well. Um, if, if they don't hook up early, then one of them could steal it. Yeah, well, Tango from Europe, uh, early to lead in two of his last three races, or two of her last three races, and then living the past close up, straight to lead, in touch, close up. So I, I, you know, I guess it's possible that everybody takes back, but I don't think so. So I think it's well, going to be pretty, you know, pretty uh, sharp pace. Yeah, I just don't think the Europeans have nearly the early speed that the U.S. horses do. So a European horse that sometimes is on the lead, I don't think has a chance to be on the lead in here. So that, that's the difference between you and I. I just don't have much respect for the early speed of the European horses. That's just not their wheelhouse. But um, So I think living in the past will be happy to just tuck in behind the front runners. Um, if he can break alertly, that's a big key. I hope he doesn't get shuffled back. That's my big concern with him. Um, well, and, and, that, and that's why I think that she's going to gun it because um, she needs to to make sure that she doesn't get shuffled. And I, I think that's her best chance to win. Yeah, and that's I how think... she that's how she won two races ago. Her grade two, she went straight to the lead and kept on well. Yeah, I'm hoping that she breaks alertly, and I don't think she can run with those others, but she gets trips out with a garden trip. I think that's the way she can win. Okay. Going to the lead, I don't think there's any way she'll get it. And if they try for it really hard, I think that'll just compromise her chances. But this right, is another we'll, race. We'll see how the pace is. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll have to wait till the race since we disagree on it. But um, yeah. that's why they run the race. Yeah, and you never know what the jockeys are going to do or what the trainers will tell them to do. This is a race I'm not real interested in betting either. Um, I'm just going to watch the odds board, and I'll probably bet a little bit on it. Um, uh, probably my most likely play would be Shodden, who I think really fits in here well, or possibly Fair Maiden. That's probably the two, but I have to wait and see You know, at post time. This is not one I'm going to unload on. Um, I'm definitely not going to be playing the pick four or the pick five because there's several races in here that I just really don't like. So, Oh yeah. Um, well, I, I think I'm going to, you know, I'll be able to afford to do the pick five because I'm singling bass and also I'm singling in the next race. So you're going to single bass spread in the first leg and spread in this leg so far. First, first second and, and fourth leg. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll be spread in like three three legs, and that should be a reasonable under two hundred dollar play. All right, so now we move on. Yeah, to the plus, next I'll race. press up a little bit. But yeah, the next race is the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. It's our least exciting race of the day, thanks partially to the scratch of Maxfield, who I'm super disappointed because I was I was going to bet against that horse because I didn't like the. Huge improvement from race one to race two. Just like I wasn't going to bet Omaha Beach in the Kentucky Derby. And unfortunately, that was where the value was in both those races for me. And they both scratched. So um, although the Derby still had value, <laughs> there was plenty of value in that race. Um, but just, you know, it's, it's disappointing when a horse that you don't like scratches because you think they're going to take money. What did you think in this race? Well, we talked about it in our earlier pod. This is the one race that we did cover in that race. And I said the interesting part of this race was what will Irad Ortiz do with Dennis's moment because eight rings looks like he can clear early and Dennis's moment is really the only one that could put pressure on him. And now with the post draw, this is a race where I think the post draw really was significant in that I think I read Ortiz's decision has already been made for him. He will have to 
go from the start. So I think he'll be putting pressure. He and eight rings, you know, what should be close, and he should be putting pressure on him right from the start. I think that's not bad for Dennis's moment necessarily. If he's the better horse, I think he can win. But what I do think that does is it it makes it a little more likely that Scabbard could win or break up the exacta because there's a better chance that those two will treat this like a match race and really throw it down from the start and Scabbard could sit pretty and make a run late and if one of the two cracks he could pass that one up and if they both crack then he could pass them both before he would have had to to out finish Maxfield now he doesn't have to do that it's really in my mind he's the only one who will be in contention other than those top two so I don't know what price you can get on that that exact in the win but that's the the only interesting way to play it I think is to key on scabbard and and hope that he can run second or first in here um I between the other two, I think they're about even. I don't know. I think Dennis's moment might be the better horse, but I think, you know, Baffert locally with eight rings has an edge that way. Plus, at eight rings, probably has it's the quicker of the two. So, um, I think this will be an interesting race to watch. Uh, again, I'm not super excited about playing it, but I probably will be betting some on Scabbard in here. All right. Well, initially, I really loved eight rings based on the pattern in this race. But I decided that I don't like eight rings after uh, after reading the workouts and seeing his last workout. His last workout was fast. He ran four furlongs and 47.1. I didn't like the gallop out. I actually didn't really like the workout either. I was surprised that it ended up being that fast. All of his workouts since his last race have been very slow for Bob Baffert, with the exception of the last workout, which happened on the 27th. And I don't know. I think I think I think he's that it's reason enough for me to play against him now. I, I think he could get second, but when I'm down to Dennis's moment, who's run faster, even though it was at a shorter distance, versus eight rings. I have to go with Dennis this moment, who is just continues to work out, lights out, huge workouts, and they're faster than ever. So, so really, he he just seems like he's going to crush this race. Now, I don't know that I, I don't know that I should be relying on that. I mean, and 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 maybe a lot of other people will too. I don't know if he'll be like a, a heavy favorite over eight rings. He's eight to five morning line and eight rings is two to one. I would think though that especially with Maxfield out, now Dennis's moment is like even money and eight rings is seven to five or eight to five. But if if Dennis's moment is even money and eight rings is five to two, then there's not that much value on Dennis's moment. Uh, I, I don't know. I just everything to me says that Dennis's moment should be able to rock this race. And I, I do think that wrecking crew may put a little bit of pressure on eight rings. So I think that there it's, it's, you know, he's got some pretty fast early pace numbers at seven furlongs. Um, I think I'll end out singling Dennis, Dennis's moment here and just, and just hope that that's the way it ends out. But I'll allow that eight rings could run well, especially because, Pattern-wise, at least on the figures I'm looking at, he, he he does look good, just not quite as fast as Dennis's moment. A couple things on Dennis's moment. One, the workouts, relative to his previous workouts, I'm totally with you on. But on terms of the final times, keep in mind that he has like a 90-pound rider on his back. He's probably She's probably 30 pounds lighter than your typical exercise rider and that's fairly significant in the final time so it, he's not quite as fast as he looks and on the times but you're right he has been working faster than he had previously which he had the same rider and all those so that that is significant but just keep in mind those times aren't probably 
quite as impressive as they look final just from the, the time on the clock. Yeah, and I, um, I always look at them in relation to their previous works. So it's not uh, you know, as long as they're reasonably good, then if it's their most recent workouts are faster than ever, then I'm inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt. Right. So on that, and so that's perfectly valid. I just wanted to make the point about the times for other people who might not be aware of that. The other thing is I thought you'd be even, you would talk about the pattern on Dennis's moment because isn't it exactly what you like so much with bass? Well, um, no, but Dennis's moment ran a really fast seven furlong race and then he reacted in his next race. So he ran a 97 buyer at seven furlongs and then he goes two turns the first time and he reacts to uh, a 90 buyer, which that's what I want to see because that's a natural progression for a horse. It's, it's a natural thing for them to, to react the first time going two turns. Uh, eight rings ran. No, 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 I meant Bast. Mm-hmm. Isn't Bast got the same pattern? She went. As Dennis's first... moment? Yeah. Oh, yeah, like yeah. You were saying. I say, but you were saying how much you like Bast's pattern, but you didn't say anything about Dennis's moment. That's what I was saying. I thought you'd be higher on his pattern. Well, you didn't even mention that. The only reason there's a slight difference is because Bast has run three races. So it's less of a pattern on Dennis's moment. He, he he ran his first race. He got he tossed the jockey. So there's no figure for that. So it's really it's two races, and you can. So I don't really call it a pattern. I, I call it more like, okay, fast race, then reaction. Um, Bast had a pretty fast race, then a fast race, and then a reaction. So that, that's more of a pattern. That's the, only, that's the only difference between the two, but I like them both. I mean, those are my two singles in the pick five. Okay. I just was saying, to me, he looks like he has the same exact pattern as Bast. I mean, technically, he has run three races, and he probably wasn't in his debut going to run as fast as he ran in his second race. I mean, he did run, actually. And he, I think he won the race. He just won it without <laughs> his rider. Seriously, I think he yeah. won. He might have gotten nosed out. It was close to the wire, and they didn't do a photo finish because he wasn't an, an official finisher. But, you know, he well, looked maybe pretty I'll, good. Uh, maybe I'll watch a replay. Of yeah, you should watch the replay. Riderless, riderless race. Yeah, you could tell a, a two-year-old on debut, he, he likes to run because even without his rider, he wanted to win. And, that, I, and, okay. he, and he got bet like it in his next start. He went, he was like five to two in his debut, and I think he went off at like four to five in his next start, and he ran to it. Well, so, now I like him even more. Now he does. You're right. <laughs> he has the same pattern as Bast, and uh, and and they they're, they're both the fastest horse in the race, uh, their respective race. So, so instead of be disappointed with these favorites in the juvenile and juvenile fillies, I'm gonna try to capitalize and we'll see what happens and hope a, a, a decent price comes in one, uh, two or three of the other legs. Yeah. And this race, I'll be hoping you're right about eight rings and he, um, he doesn't fire his best and scabbard who ran a nice second, a troubled second that Dennis's moment last time um, can run. I'll be happy if he runs second. That'll probably be a decent exact uh, if I can beat eight rings. Yeah, so, I, I like Scabbard just fine. I, I, uh, it's a nice, steady, improving line. Um, it, he, he's good. I, I, I think that he can get second. I don't know how much I would bet on it versus eight rings. So I don't know if I'll be playing any kind of verticals. I think I'll probably just let it ride with Dennis's moment. But if I'm out of the pick five, which I probably will be going into that race, then um, I'll try to do something with Scabbard. So just one one other point on this discussion about the pattern. It's interesting because I really I don't like the pattern that you like and I really like the pattern that Scabbard has. I really like horses who do improve in their first route, especially if they have trouble and they improve in the first route. And I really don't typically like horses who regress in their first route. Um, I, I give Dennis's moment a bit of a pass because he was really geared down in the last 16th. So he probably could have run faster than he did. Um, but Bass, I'm not as high as you are on her. I, her, I do think, though, she does get a little bit of a pass because 
you're right, that pace was so slow that they weren't going to run a fast figure no matter what. So so maybe in both cases I can give them a pass. Um and well, you know the, let me let me agree with you that I, I like a horse that improves in his first route. I do like that, but it I also completely forgive it and 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 I, I like that a little better when they react. And and their and their fast fit their fig that is at say seven furlongs, which is sort of ideal for horses like this. If they've run that fig at seven furlongs, which both of them had, then a reaction at two turns, it's great because that's going to help my price. Uh, the the time I don't like it is when they go from a sprint to a route and they improve dramatically. That's when I don't like it because then it's too much too soon. Too much improvement, and I and I, I play for a reaction. But Scabbard has he has a nice improving line. the The only thing is that even if he improves uh, four lengths, he still might not be able to catch eight rings. Yeah, although I think he lost at least four lengths in his last race, just in trouble. So well, I'll, I think I'll definitely his, have to watch that replay because I, I yeah. haven't done a lot of replay work on this yet. Yeah, and he actually had a really bad start in his prior race too. So I mean, he has excuses last two. But if so, my my feeling is when they regress in their first route, that's a bad sign for me. You like and, that. And, and 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 let me let me uh, clarify that I'm talking about two turn. So two turn first two turn race, not not route necessarily, but first two turn race. That's what I I, I generally I learned that from a guy named um, Jim Dennis, and he he always he he always point out when a horse ran his first race two turns you can almost always ex- expect it to improve off that race and uh, usually improve off the best fig that it had before that race all right well it'll be interesting so shout I, out I to don't... jim dennis by if he by any chance is uh r- listening to this okay that, that's interesting i'll have to start looking at that more because typically i don't see that as a positive i agree with you that anytime they make a big improvement, whether it's their first two-turn race or not. I'm always kind of skeptical well, when, when they jump up. The, the classic example of reacting first time two turns was Champagne Room, who won at 33-1 to 1 in the juvenile fillies. Now, she also had trouble in the race, so so she was doubly dangerous. She had you know, two reasons, uh, the two turns plus the trouble that made her price, you know, that made her race excusable. But... People didn't read it that way. They just read her as uh, she can't compete at the distance, and then she won the race at thirty-three to one. So yeah, well that, I, I can that, only hope I find you know that kind of pattern on a real price. As it stands, I'm, I've got that pattern on two favorites. Yeah, I am. Um, I the, what you just described there, I I perfectly like that. I mean, if they have an excuse, then I'm all for it. It's just if they don't have an excuse and they regress. To me, that's not a good sign, um, typically. But you're saying that's a good pattern regardless. So I'll have to look yeah. at that a little closer um, because that's not the way I would typically play that. So it'll be interesting. I'll have to take a look at that. I might. Yeah, I'll, I'll and, and look, these two horses are probably going to be favored. So even if they win, it doesn't validate my theory, but something to keep an eye on in the future. Yeah, although Dennis's moment, not so much. But if Bass runs well... I'll be surprised um, that I mean, if she if she runs a lights out race in here. So if she does that, that is some some signal in there for me. If she doesn't, then not so much. Dennis's moment, you know, he just might be the best horse for sure, regardless. And he, you know, he definitely wasn't all out in his last race. So, but Bass will be an interesting test case. I mean, like you said, it's just one race, but. Um, if she runs as well as you seem to think she will, that would surprise me, and that that would make me want to take a closer look at that pattern in the future. Yeah, let's put it this way: if she's five to two or higher, that's a multiple hundred dollar bet for me to win. That's that's how much I like her. But okay. I don't know if she will be that high. So, you know, at two to one, I probably wouldn't bet anything. All right, if five well, to two. Uh, you know, then that's uh, it's time to cash on that opinion. You might get it with those other four horses in there. So I'll be cheering you on in there because I won't be betting at all. Um, I'll just be interested to see now. My, my biggest interest will be to see how Bass runs. All right. Well, let's hope. I'm hoping Bass is fast. 
fastest, his fastest. Um, okay. Uh, you said you had some other race in here where you liked the horse. Cause I, I hadn't looked at the rest of the card yet. I did flip through the races. I didn't spend a lot of time on them, but, uh, I did latch on to in the third race, which is a stake race. It's the golden state juvenile Phillies. The nine Cholula lips is 12 to one morning line. And I'm not sure if she will be that, but I, I don't see any reason why she wouldn't be like that. She's got two races that are, have solid figures. And then in her last race was a two-turn turf race where it's completely excusable. And she has a lifetime best workout since that. Go time. And uh, I don't love the patterns on any other horse. There are some horses that have run as fast or a little bit faster than her. But um, pattern-wise, she looks like she's going to run better than any of those other horses. So I would, I would, I would definitely have a win on her. And then maybe a, a few exactas with her underneath just to make sure that one of the other horses that's only run once or twice doesn't uh, freak out and, and beat her. But but I, I would highly expect her to be first or second. All right. I have not looked at that race at all. Um, hopefully I'll get a chance to look at it before Friday. Um, it looks like they have a couple of two-year-old races. So we get more two-year-olds. Um, <laughs> which aren't necessarily my favorite races, two-year-old dirt races, but it looks like there is a um, a nice turf race in the second race, um, and they have that uh, marathon stakes as the first race, but it's a small field. Um, so, yeah, let me see what and what's the last race of the day? Um, it's an allowance optional allowance seven a furlong, bit. you know, kind of a mess. Kind of a crazy race. Yeah, big field. So, yeah. All right. Well, I'll take a look at those. Um, but right. I'm really looking forward to uh, tomorrow when we talk about. I haven't got a chance to re go through all those races, but we've already talked about them on our early pod. And now that we have the post position draws and some important scratches are in there, that um, it'll be a lot of fun because I think there's some really interesting kind of crazy long shots um, on the Saturday card. That'll be fun to talk about. All right, great. Well, we'll look forward to the Thursday pod, which will be for the Saturday races. And we will be back then. We should be, uh, that'll be posted probably at about 1 p.m. Any Anything else before we wrap it up, Chris? No, just a good luck to everybody on the Friday card. Um, and we'll hopefully have you listening in tomorrow when we talk about the big Saturday cards. All right. Happy handicapping, everybody, as we continue Breeders' Cup Week, and please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout. Cheers.